Okay, now is that is that better? Uh, hopefully it is. Again, uh, welcome this morning. Sorry for the uh, technical difficulty, but uh, we're doing our best to <laughs> broadcast. And um, so, is that did that turn out better? Okay, all right, good. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a couple of announcements. Some couple of things I want to talk about very quickly before we get started. Uh, number one, I want to thank you for watching. Uh, th- this is a difficult time for everybody, uh, uh, and I want to I want to thank you for watching. If for no other reason, then it is a great encouragement to me, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, <clears throat> not that I like people watching me on the internet. That's, <laughs> but it it is important that we as a church family do our best to come together and to worship, even though we are not apart or that we're not together. Uh, it's important that we come together the best we can. So I want to thank you for watching uh, for no other reason that it is an encouragement to me. Um, the other thing I'd like to do is thank you for your, for your giving. Uh, uh, many people in our church have taken advantage of the uh, online giving uh, option that we've been able to offer now um, uh, on our website. <clears throat> and then we've even had a few people mail in checks and so on and so forth. Uh, that, that again, is an incredible encouragement to me because our bills as a church still keep going. Uh, and uh, our missionaries uh, still need to be supported. So uh, the fact that our church is uh, uh, giving uh, is it, again is an incredible encouragement uh, to me. I want to thank you for that and your dedication uh, to the Lord. Uh, it is Palm Sunday, and uh, I don't know if some of you may remember last year I, I preached a message about Palm Sunday, and this is uh, in the Jewish calendar. This is. Uh, Lamb Selection Day, and uh, I don't know if you remember me talking about that, but you know, um, Christ is the Lamb of God, and He was selected by the Jewish people. Uh, and, and we're going to be talking about the Passion Week here in a few minutes. But right now, uh, my wife and I are going to sing a song. Uh, we have no special music for you this morning. This morning, so uh, you're stuck with my wife and I uh, uh, singing a song, uh, a scripture song. We uh, practiced it actually on the way to church this morning. So <clears throat> here we go. So um, this verse, uh, this song actually comes from the scripture uh, Galatians 2.20, which is very appropriate for uh, what this Sunday is. And so <clears throat> that's why we picked this one. So you can't sing along unless you know it, but you can at least listen to the message of it. So. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me. And gave himself for me. Others are out on the raging sea. Lost in the darkest eternity. 
Thank you, sweetie. <clears throat> I should probably just stand here and mouth it and let her sing, but <laughs> anyway, I am glad that you're here this morning. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. This week for believers is the greatest week of the year for us. It is the week that we call Passion Week. And there, uh, I, I, I remember growing up as a child that this week meant really nothing other than uh, Easter bunnies and, and eggs and, and all that growing up. I really didn't understand it, uh, but I remember uh, uh, my first Passion Week after I was saved, it was, it was a life-changing event. And I am so very thankful. And I want to kind of cover the Passion Week for you this, this evening. Um, <clears throat> today represents a Triumphal Entry or Palm Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday because uh, the people laid down palms and, and, their, and their, their, literally their, their, their outer garments. They laid them down on the ground before Christ. And, and they, only a king, it, it represented it represented the entrance of a king. That's why Palm Sunday is so important. So <clears throat> it, it kind of goes both ways. Uh, it's called both things, Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry. Both of them uh, make perfect sense uh, scripturally, and they mean basically the same thing. So <clears throat> uh, this day uh, marks uh, the end of a three-and-a-half-year journey uh, that Jesus has made in his physical life. Uh, <clears throat> during this three and a half years, he, he, he gave hope to the hopeless. He gave comfort to people that desperately needed comfort. He gave warning to mankind that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He healed the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical needs of people that he came in contact with. He fed the multitude. He raised the dead, and on and on and on we could go. But this three-and-a-half-year period of time <clears throat> that he spent ministering to mankind all comes to a close on this day that we call the triumphal entry or the Palm Sunday. It all kind of culminates in in this day, but today in the uh, on the Christian calendar starts a week long celebration of what we call the Passion Week. Now this Passion Week is filled with hurt and more hurt. It it, it has betrayal. It has the disciples turning their back on their Lord. A lot of emotion this week. 
<clears throat> but this week is all culminates in victory. That's why we call it the Passion Week. Uh, today uh, is the triumphal entry. Tomorrow, Monday, uh, is the cleansing of the temple. Jesus goes in and cleanses the temple of the 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 people that were doing the the uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, trading uh, and defiling the temple. Tuesday uh, is the uh, the priest questions Jesus's authority. Wednesday, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Thursday is the, the, the day that kind of brings it all together. It's the, we, we call it the Last Supper when Jesus meets with his disciples. And then later in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is actually betrayed on Thursday. Friday is filled with uh, uh, trials and, 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 and Friday culminates with the crucifixion of Jesus, the beating and the, the the beating and the crucifixion of Jesus, and then Sunday, the resurrection day, or next next Sunday we'll be uh, celebrating uh, the resurrection day or Easter, if you would. What an incredible, incredible Passion Week. But it's full of hurt, like I said earlier. It's full of hurt and betrayal. And... But it's, it, it all culminates in victory. And <clears throat> I, I, I was asked, I'm going to talk about this uh, <clears throat> next week, probably more than likely if, if God continues to direct in this way. But last, <clears throat> oh, I don't know. It's been several years ago now. Uh, I was out at the prison uh, out here in Lovelock, and one of the prisoners asked me a, a, an important question. He he raised his hand. I was getting ready to preach, and and it was about two months before uh, Easter, and 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 uh, the prisoner raised his hand. He says he says, uh, Pastor Rick, he says, I, I have a question. And I said, Okay, well, what's your question? And he says, What is the big deal about the resurrection? And uh, I, I just I I, <laughs> I just took my notes, stuck them away, closed closed my Bible, and well, actually, I reopened my Bible to a new passage and started expounding on the importance of the resurrection. It is the resurrection is the key to the Christian life. You, you know, uh, Christmas is important, and 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 living for God is important. But nothing is near the category of the resurrection. It is the resurrection that proves that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It is the resurrection that proves that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It also proves that He came to save the lost. John chapter 3, verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. 
The resurrection also proves that He came to provide believers with power. We We have access to the power of God because of the resurrection. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Son of, excuse me, but if the Spirit of Him uh, that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, uh, He that raised up, up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken you or give you power uh, uh, to your mortal bodies uh, by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. <clears throat> Are we? Do we not have the slides, Chris? <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, <laughs> I, I was. Anyway, never mind. Um, uh, he gave us uh, his his the, the resurrection. Always, also, excuse me. Um, he came to give us victory over death. And I don't know about you, but out of all of the things that the resurrection does, this is probably the one I like the most. Because I don't have to fear death. In fact, I'm looking forward to death. If that makes sense. We're, we're living in a, in, in, a, in a very strange time in our world right now where this pandemic is, is consuming our thoughts and, and the, the, the news media is, excuse me, I think making it worse. Now it's bad. I'm not saying that. It's really bad. But it's 24/7 in front of people, and it's causing the fear of people to to spin out of control. But I but because of the resurrection, I don't fear death. I'm looking forward to it. First Thessalonians chapter four verse fourteen. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then uh, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I have nothing to fear. The birth of Christ is incredibly important. The, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ is incredibly important. But the death, burial, and resurrection is the very thing that gives us power. And it gives us power, but it gives us victory over death. I can think of nothing more precious than that. I came across a quote. In fact, I put it up on Facebook this week, and uh, it goes something like this. Our church may be empty next Sunday, but so will the grave. The grave is empty. Our church may be empty, but you know what? The grave is empty. And because the grave is empty, we have this, we have access to this power. John chapter 12. Let's start reading in verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had uh, had been dead, <clears throat> whom he raised from the dead. Then they made him. Uh, a supper and uh, Martha served but Lazarus was with them that sat at the ta- uh, table with him then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house 
was filled with the odor of the ointment. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, I, I just ask that you would, in a very precious, a very special way, speak to our hearts today. Lord, help us to never forget what Jesus did some 2,000 plus years ago for each of us. Help us, dear God, to get a hold of the importance of this week we call the Passion Week and spend this week meditating and, and dwelling on the things of God and being open to sharing the good news to those around us. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus makes his way to the city of Bethany or the town of Bethany. And he stays with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. <clears throat> the, the, the title of my message this morning, if you're, if you're keeping notes, and I hope you are, is the, the anointing of Christ. The anointing of Christ. And, and, and you might be thinking, okay, what does this have to do with Palm Sunday or, or Easter? Well, we're going to get to that. Okay, we're gonna, we'll get there. But knowing what Jesus had in front of him. See, see, this is yesterday, if you would. It, this is Saturday before Palm Sunday. So when Jesus gets to Bethany, it's the day before the, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So Jesus knows what the next week has in store for him because he's God. He knows what he knows what's coming. And he, he decides to go to, the, to uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home and stay with them because, you know what? He knew, he knew what he was facing, and he just wanted to be with friends. And here Jesus is, <clears throat> the night before his triumphal entry, going to some very, very precious friends of his to spend time with them. Look at same chapter, but verse 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast <clears throat> where they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So again, the events that we're going to be talking about this morning are taking place literally the night before Jesus makes his triumphal entry into J Jerusalem. <clears throat> it is um, uh, uh, important what happens in this story here. You, you know, <clears throat> typically and unfortunately this is uh, this is what happens in my in my head when i read john chapter 12 i read the first part of john chapter 12 and i just kind of read through it knowing that in verse 12 he starts the triumphal entry so i kind of just overlook the first 11 verses if that makes sense 
I shouldn't do that, and in fact, but I, I just normally do uh, because I'm, I, I am so excited about the triumphal entry and the Passion Week and all of that stuff. I just kind of not really pay attention to the first part. And, and so what I happened uh, the other day is I was <clears throat> in preparation for uh, the, the message this morning. It dawned on me the first three verses of, of this chapter. I had really never paid that much attention to it before. I, I could have probably quoted most of it because I'd read it so many times, but I never it never really sunk in the importance of what takes place in the first three verses of John chapter 12. The events in those first three verses are also recorded in Matthew chapter 26 and Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> if, you, if you take those three accounts and you combine them all together, there are some <clears throat> important things that we can learn that by combining all of the accounts, we can, we can learn th- really three very, very important things. Number one is she knew that he was about to die. Mary knew that he was about to die. The second thing is she demonstrates her love for him. She, she is literally demonstrating her love for Jesus Christ. And then the third thing is that she anoints his, his head and his feet. In John, it only records that she anoints his feet. And, and we'll talk about that later, the importance of that. But he, she also, if the, in the other two accounts, we learn that she anoints his head as well. Very important. My first point this morning is this, her devotion. In verse 3, let's read verse 3 again. Then took Mary a pound of uh, ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Her devotion. She knew he was about to die. And, and you know, and, and <laughs> you think, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. Uh, nothing in that verse says anything about his death, or, or in the preceding verses. And 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 you're right, nothing does. So how do we know she knew he was about to die? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. because she was an avid follower of Jesus Christ. She listened to him. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 and following. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me 
to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she should uh, that she uh, help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the, the good part, which shall be shall uh, not be taken away from her. In other words, Mary had a reputation of listening very, very intently to everything that Jesus said. So we know that she was a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ, a very avid follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, in all of his teaching, made no secret to the fact that he was going to be crucified. In fact, he talked about it often. I I have two examples here for you. In John chapter 3, verse 14, uh, it says, and Moses, excuse me, and as Moses uh, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man, um, uh, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Again, talking about Jesus being lifted up on the cross. In Mark uh, chapter 8, verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Again, talking about the resurrection or or, or what we're going to be celebrating next week, Resurrection Day. See, Jesus made no secret. So Mary was showing her devotion to the Lord before it was too late. Now, I want, I want you to get this because th- this after I was studying this and really thinking about it, I thought, how very precious. She was giving the rose before the funeral. How do we, how do we deal with funerals? We, we get together and we, 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 we cry and we, we commiserate and we mourn the loss of our friends, our loved ones, and we bring flowers and so on and so forth. Does it do the person who has passed away any good? No. But Mary knew. She had listened to Jesus enough that she knew what was going to be happening very, very soon. Now, did she know it was going to be happening in the next week? I, we don't know that. But we, we can assume that she knew it was happening soon because she had been such an avid follower. Something else that's interesting that I found, as, 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 as such an f- avid follower as she was, she was not one of the ladies that went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. See, the, the custom was after three days, they go and they anoint the, the body of the dead. But what happened when those ladies did go? They found an empty tomb. But this Mary was not one of those. And I started thinking about it. I thought, well, if she was such an avid follower, why wasn't she one of them? And then the, it, it just, the light bulb went on. It's because she had already anointed Jesus. What a precious thought. See, she anointed Jesus while he was still alive. 
her devotion. What a precious, precious thing she did. Point number two. Let's look at her worship. Again in verse three, uh, we won't read it again, uh, but she demonstrates how much she loves him. See, this box of, of ointment, uh, uh, spikenard that she, she broke open and poured on his head and his feet is, is very costly. It's, it's a very expensive um, uh, item. And it, and it is it said here in, in the scripture that it's expensive, but <clears throat> historians tell us that it is so expensive, it is equivalent to the yearly wage of the average person it, during that time. That's a lot of money. I got on I got on Google and I typed in uh, average income, and obviously. You know, we're just barely into 2020, and with everything going on right now, who knows what that is. But in 2019, the average income was almost $49,000 a year. The average income. That means that this box of spikener or this ointment that she poured out on Jesus would have cost her, had she done it today, would cost her $50,000. Think about this for a second, because this really is kind of the, the pivotal point in this whole message this morning. Because she realized that if she was going to worship, it was going to have to cost her something. David, King David in the Old Testament, said something many, many years before that is very applicable in this, in this particular instance. David was <clears throat> wanting to build an altar to God. And, and there was a specific place that he needed to build this altar. And he goes to the man who owned <clears throat> the property and he says, I want that property to build an altar for God. And the, and the, guy, the guy basically says, hey, you're the king. You can have it. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, And the king said to Nehru, Nay, but I will surely buy it of a price, uh, buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offering unto the Lord my God uh, of that which doth cost me nothing. In other good words, what good is worship if it if I am not invested in it? It does me no good to to just worship God without a cost to it. And Mary understood that very very well. She spent the equivalent of fifty thousand dollars to worship God. What a precious thought. What a precious thought. Her act of worship not only was a demonstration of her willingness to invest in her worship. Let, let's read verse 3 again. 
He says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now get this. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. They say, so what? That, that, that makes sense. I mean, that much, you know, $50,000 worth of perfume, basically, it's going to smell, is it not? So we, you know, we kind of read that and we think, okay, yeah, so. My point is this. Not only was it a blessing to Jesus, but it was a blessing to everybody in the house. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Jesus also had loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. See, when we worship God, it produces a sweet-smelling savor. When we invest our lives in worship, when it costs us something, it creates a sweet-smelling savor that other people recognize and are affected by as well. When we worship the Lord, it should generate a sweet-smelling savor, if you would, that should cause other people to say, you know what, I want that in my life too. We also see in the Matthew and Mark accounts that her worship affected other people even beyond the household. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 12 to 13, it says, uh, For in that she hath poured out this ointment on, on my body, she did it uh, for my burial. Verily I say unto you, uh, Whosoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath... Um, that, that this woman hath done, it be told for her memor- uh, for a memorial of her. We're still talking about her. Her demonstration of worship is still being talked about today. What an incredible blessing. Does your worship affect others? Does your worship create a sweet-smelling savor where other people around you, family, friends, look and say, hey, I want what they have? A.W. Trozier wrote this, What is worship? Worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe an astonished wonder, an overpowering love in the presence of the most ancient mystery. The majesty which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our, our, our Father which art in heaven. 
That's worship. And she worshipped Jesus Christ. She invested. She, she invested in her worship. And it affected everybody around her. And it's still in fact affecting people today. What an incredible testimony. Number one, we see her devotion. Number two, we see her worship. And then number three, I want to talk about her tender heart. Her tender heart. We, Because of the three accounts, we see that not only does she anoint Jesus' head, showing respect and honor to Jesus, but she ends up anointing his feet. She takes a very humbling position as a servant at the feet of our Lord. And I find it interesting that just in a, just in a few days, Jesus himself does the very same thing at the Last Supper, does he not? In John chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 4, he rises from supper uh, and, and uh, laid aside his garment and took, up, uh, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he had uh, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Jesus himself takes on the exact same position that Mary does. And, and again, in our society today, we don't totally understand the, the impact that this has or the, the, uh, the message that's being sent here. But you have to understand in the society that only the lowliest of low servants washed feet. And so for Mary and for Jesus both, but we're talking about Mary here primarily, for Mary to do this, she was taking on the position of the lowest of low servants. Showing her humility. And then she does something that is, again, in our society, we don't get it. It doesn't, it doesn't make, it, 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 we just don't get it. But she undoes her hair and she lets down her hair and she wipes his feet with her hair. And again, in our society, we say, so? Kind of, you know, a lot of people say, well, that doesn't, you know, that's kind of weird. But see, you've got to understand the culture. Jewish women, even today, never let their hair down in public. They don't do it. By her doing this, it is an incredible sign of humility. But it is basically... She is giving, symbolically, she is presenting Jesus with all of her glory. You say, what are you talking about? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a what? It is a glory to her. So when she lets down her hair, she is literally in, a, in an incredible picture of humility, presenting her all to Jesus Christ. She has worshipped him with an elaborate gift. Now she has humbled herself positionally at his feet as a servant and let down her hair and has wiped his feet with her hair, presenting him with her glory. Do you see the picture? What an incredible thought. What an incredible thing. People today just don't understand the, sim the symbolic nature of what she's doing. Here, on the eve of the triumphal entry, on the eve of Passion Week, she, Mary, is giving Christ her all. Think about this for a minute. I'm going to challenge you with a thought. On the, on the day that we celebrate the triumphal entry, how much of your life are you willing to give Christ? Are you willing to give your all? Only, only I, I can't answer that. Only you can answer that question. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 and following. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and all thy mind. And the, the, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. Now, I don't know, but from what I can see, I would say that Mary was one that understood the first and great commandment. To love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy might. And she not only did that, but she demonstrated it. She put it into practice. She worshipped. As we are getting ready to, <clears throat> well, we aren't getting ready. We are starting Passion Week. Don't let the world steal Passion Week away from you. Don't, don't let <clears throat> COVID-19 steal your joy away. Don't let the things that are happening around us and the, the all the you you know what I'm talking about. Don't don't let that any of that steal away your joy. Don't let it steal or rob away your passion this week. 
Spend some time meditating this week on the events of the week. But more importantly, what Jesus Christ does for you and for me. This is an important week in the, in the, the, the calendar of a Christian. Don't let this week be stolen away by the things of this world. Mary was a very passionate woman, obviously. She knew that Jesus was going to die. She, <clears throat> she demonstrated his, her love for him, and she anointed his feet and his head with oil. Ultimately, not only showing respect, but also giving Christ her all. Let me ask you, are you willing to give it all? Are you willing to invest your life? What is, what is worship going to cost you? For Mary, physically, it cost her $50,000. But ultimately, it cost her everything because she gave him everything. What are you going to give? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we <clears throat> bring our service to an end, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. That you would help us, dear God, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. Everything that we say and do. But Lord, help us, probably more, more importantly than anything, Help us be invested in our worship. Help us, dear God, to give her all. Give us wisdom. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to say this very quickly before we sign off. Um, <clears throat> if you have any questions about the message this morning, uh, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, um, please contact me. I would love to talk with you. Uh, if you if you have a prayer request, you just need somebody to pray with, please call me. Uh, my phone is always uh, on. Um, I'm always available, so please call me if you need to talk. If you need just just whatever to to open your heart to 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 lay some burdens down, what, whatever's going on in your life. Uh, please give me a call. I love you. I look forward to the day that we can all come together again. I'm praying that it, this is only going to last a few more weeks uh, and then we'll be back together as a church family. I do want to say this, the very first Sunday that we're back as a church family, we're going to celebrate by having the Lord's Supper. So uh, what a, what a, I cannot think of a better way as a church to celebrate the coming back together as a family. So Again, if you need to talk to me, please don't hesitate to give me a call. Uh, reach out through our website, my email, whatever, however you need to get me, uh, you just do it. Love you. Have a great day. But more importantly, have a great Passion Week.